What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Myself and Andy are back with another conference preview. Um, I don't know what we should call this one. I guess it's the Big 12 for now, isn't it? But <laughs> what it'll be in, in, or even if it will be here in a few months' time is, remains to be seen, doesn't it? That's it, mate. It's just like you blink and you miss something, don't you? And uh, there's like legal things and there's like, you know, formal requests to leave from from Oklahoma and Texas. And then, you know, like the next minute you kind of hear rumours that other teams are going to abandon them. It just, uh, it's just non-stop, isn't it? And and to be honest, mate, let's put it out there. You predicted some of this in your uh, article a couple of months ago, which was very kind of <laughs> foresightful. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't take some, I wasn't trying to take too much credit when I was, <laughs> Obviously, the two of us have been kind of putting the article out there. But I have been kind of saying it wasn't a prediction as such. It was me just messing about. But yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is. Like the big, the big, for anyone who's not read it, the big kind of thing that kicked it all off, the mechanism that kicked it all off was me kind of disbanding the Big 12, which obviously is the thing that's come true or is going to come true by looks things. But um, yeah, like I say, if you haven't gone over uh, to full10dance.com, go and read it. It's in the college section. It is from about a month ago. So you might have to dig back a couple of articles. But yeah, we've been posting it everywhere. So if you've not read it, you've obviously been not on social media very much. But like, let's just like start off with like the fallout of this because this has, like you said, it's moved at a pace, hasn't it? It's not kind of crept slowly. It's really been like said, blink and miss it. I was sat here maybe like a week or so ago when it kind of first got muted. And I was thinking, nah, it's something to do with like negotiation. It's like, oh yeah, we'll leave this negotiating tactic to get something. I don't know what, but something, you know, better terms on the existing deal. And then obviously over the past few days, I would actually now be surprised if it doesn't happen. You know, it's it's now a case of when, not if, isn't it? And now it was like 2025 when the deal kind of expires in terms of the TV deal, the media for Big 12. But now it's like Texas and Oklahoma basically want out ASAP, don't they? And they want to get out of there and get to the SEC yeah. as soon as yeah. they possibly can. It's crazy because, um, like you said, that 2025 date was kind of rolling around for a few days. And it still is because that's when they've like, had to formally apply to kind of join, I think. But then I was reading that the, the revenue that um, the Longhorns are due from um, ESPN would cover the buyout uh, of both teams from the conference fairly like quickly so just that, that I mean what good business that was by the Longhorns there to kind of set up that network um, and that's presumably why the uh, Big 12 itself is moving to kind of shut down ESPN talking to its other members otherwise <laughs> there'll be a lot more good deals going on in the background <laughs> right now. So, yeah absolutely yeah, it's crazy um, just to fill in on him what I'm referring to is there was a cease and desist order put out yeah. Uh, yeah. by the the conference to ESPN to basically say stop meddling in everyone's business <laughs> um, because you're like basically wanting people to move conferences for your own like gain basically. So there's a lot of underhand tactics going on. I was watching a little clip um, uh, yesterday, I think it was, when I was watching Pat McAfee and he was kind of dissecting it a little bit in his own very unique style. And um, yeah, he, he was just kind of saying that like basically it could be covered. The cost is, is kind of academic really because as much as it's $70 million each, boosters will cover that. You know, they're all billionaires in that part of the world who are kind of supplying the money for these colleges. 
and $70 billion can be kind of accrued really, really easily. So yeah, the cost, I mean, it's not going to put them off. It's not put them off. And, you know, the mechanism that I've sort of to kind of take, change my tide really and change my kind of thought is Texas A&M. They have kind of said, yeah, it's fine. And I think they've been, they've probably had a bit of pressure put on them by the other big dogs in the SEC. And um, they've, they've changed their mind, I think, because they were a bit against it to begin with. And now they've changed. And it, like I said, it's a case of when, isn't it now? Yeah, exactly. And I think A&M's position has also been changed by the fact that they're arguably like a top five program in, in college football at the moment. And you look at the Longhorns roster, it's got it in front of me before we chat about that in a bit more detail. That is that is not a top 25 roster. So, the, so A&M are immediately thinking, we've got an opportunity to establish ourselves as the big dog here. Texas obviously got a big name, but if they don't turn up on the field, then, you know, and we're going to be absolutely fine with that for five, 10 years until mm. Texas are back up and running to its full extent. So, so yeah, it's like, it's really interesting dynamics at play. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised, mate, if the Longhorns um, are in the SEC next year, that's that kind of moving at that kind of pace, isn't it? Mm. And, and, you know, you'd be a brave person to bet against that. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do. I, I completely agree. I think it will happen as soon as they can get it because the money's there. The both sides like SEC and the two the two breakaway team want it to happen, and so it's like kind of why wait? And I guess it's then where do the other teams go? And that's what's going to be like the fallout over the next coming you know few days almost. And you know we're like say we're hearing teams kind of putting the feelers out and seeing if they can get out and and get somewhere else because the conference is going to be dead, isn't it? It's not going to be kind of pieced together. It's the Big Twelve is going to end. That's that's in my opinion anyway. Yeah, the only way they can kind of save it is if they're on the phone to you know UCF and and that sort of school, Cincinnati, um, you know, just begging for um, begging for them to replace those teams. And obviously, it would be a it would be a poor replacement. In in many ways, it would be a good replacement because those are two strong teams. But in in comparison to the others that are leaving, it's obviously going to leave a massive hole in income, that sort of thing. So yeah, they're kind of scrambling to survive, aren't they? The, the conference as a whole. Um, and, you know, teams like West Virginia, they know that the ACC will take them. Big, great rivalry games against Virginia, Virginia Tech. Mm. Um, so, you know, that that those teams must be thinking, right, I'm going to need to see some sort of good offer, like, you know, positive action in the next few weeks. Otherwise, we're picking the phone up and, and see you later, guys. Yeah, definitely. Did you, I can't remember if it was in our group chat, but did you put in a little quote from the Big 12 Commission that said basically it would become the Mountain West when yeah. those two That's guys it. leave? It dropped just about three and a half million each or something like that per, per yeah. season in revenue from obviously much more. I can't remember the exact thing. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. And then you look at the kind of um, recruiting power that the, that the, um, uh, the, the conference has got without those two big dogs. I mean, you look and you see that um, over the last uh, five years, 144 four and five star recruits have gone to Texas and Oklahoma. Only 65 have, uh, have gone to the rest of the Big 12. And that's mm. like, you know, that, that's a huge draw, obviously. And then put, to put that into comparison, I think the Pac 12 had got something like the, the top eight teams in the Pac 12 have got like 250 recruits across that t- time of that, that rank. So, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are competing with you know, there's blowing people out the, out the water in the rest of the conference in terms of recruiting. So, yeah, it's just not really going to be a, a, an appealing place to go and play, especially with all the um, all the kind of money coming into the into the game as well. If that's the, the bottom rung of the Power Five, then you're going to be picking up scraps, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, obviously it's something that I kind of mentioned on the 
the Skyping podcast this week. We got to do with Keith yesterday. Um, obviously, I'm going to be putting together something of a follow-up article from what I did last month, just to kind of see what the fallout is, kind of uh, and look forward as well and see how this pie is going to be divvied up, really, because, you know, like we say, the conference is going to pretty much be dead and it's going to be a big change in college football's format in terms of four, four big conferences or, you know, maybe something else. But, you know, I'll kind of see what I come up with in the next few days. It's going to be an ongoing conversation, though, isn't it? It's going to be kind of developing story, and, and it's not um, really even close to conclusion either. So it's an interesting time. How yeah. do you kind of feel about it? Because obviously we had obviously the big Super League in Europe in, in, in football. It's pretty similar to that, isn't it? But I feel a bit more positive about this. Maybe it's because I'm not like an American. I don't know. <laughs> but I think they are generally more positive as well, aren't they? Because um, they definitely have the close ties that we have to our football clubs. But also, the bigger the better in the States, isn't it? It's not yeah. like, you know, if you came up to me and said, Andy, you're a Birmingham City fan, your club's going to get like less of everything. I, 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 it's just a bit cr- crap. But whereas mm. you're kind of like, you're kind of big college football programmes that, I've obviously got a loyal fan base, but they're watched all over the country anyway because, you know, the, the good teams are watched by everyone and you don't really go and watch your kind of, you know, your local university team if they're rubbish. So to me, like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really concern me that much. I think it'll be made for more exciting games. What I hope it does is kind of trigger a realignment across the board because I'd like to see the other conferences keep up. I don't really want the SEC to yeah. flat out dominance. I yeah. know they are already, but, you know, your Clemsons and stuff like that, I mean, we can't. We'll obviously do an ACC um, preview, but if you look at Clemson's schedule, it's just a cakewalk this year, with the exception of one game, and that's solely to keep them in contention with like that championship game at the end of the year, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, um, I just, I just hope that the other conferences kind of get their act together. That the Pat Twelve out there has got such an infinite resource in terms of players and uh, in California and, and that kind of area. So, like, they've just got to step the game up and, and get those teams to to compete with the SEC. And and if they can do that, you know, it's obviously for the better. Of the game, yeah, yeah. I think obviously Pac 12 is going to have a decision to make whether it dips into the Texas market because obviously a few Texas teams are going to be without a home, and that could be a nice market for them to dip into in terms of recruiting and obviously their power as a conference. But yeah, like I say, we'll come to that. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some football about this conference because obviously we do still have at least one more season to go. Um, teams to watch. I'll, I'll hand over to you. Have you gone for the big ones or have you gone for a left field choice similar to what you did last week? Yeah, a bit of a left field choice to start with. One, one final point. Um, like you say, this, this season's going to be really interesting because of these kind of moves and how much is it going to motivate those other teams to just come out and try and suck a punch? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma, at least, because I think a lot of these teams could beat Texas anyway. But yeah, it's going to be fun watching the uh, coaching staffs go out on the podium and just kind of rip, rip the other teams apart. It's, it's yeah. going to be quite fun. I had that down as one of my final thoughts. In the first later Sorry. on, but yeah, <laughs> definitely going to be a theme. Um, that's it, that's the, it. the season moving ahead. Sweet. Um, oh, I'll kick off then. Uh, the, the team that I really like and, and I'm interested to follow this year in, in the conference is, is Baylor. Okay. Um, really interested um, to see what Dave Aranda can do in his second year. Obviously, first year is a bit of a damp squib. Um, you kind of got the COVID excuse there to, to not put him on any sort of hot seat. And there's also quite a lot of um, turnover in terms of players that the Baylor team the year before obviously was highly ranked, and a, and a lot of those guys went into the NFL. Um, they similar to quite similar to other teams in the uh, across the board with 
coaches that had their first season in the pandemic, they kind of blamed the offensive coordinator for their, their kind of worries. And so off went one offensive coordinator. In, in comes Jeff Grimes from BYU to, to lead this offense. Obviously, a interesting proposition. Got Zach Wilson on fire and all on cylinders last year. So be really keen to see how he can how he can manage this, this Baylor offense. And, and they've got a couple of players with just the highlight, which I think can kind of make them a lot more competitive this year. They've got RJ Sneed at wide receiver, obviously one of the best in the conference um, for me. I think he's going to be a real game changer um, in in those tight conference matchups all season long. They've also got um, Jerry Bohannon at quarterback, kind of um, under the radar so far, four-star guy. Quite rare to show that loyalty in terms of being willing to sit and wait for opportunity in this day and age, especially with someone who came out as highly rated as he did in 2018. He's a dual threat guy. Bags and bags of pace. Um, high school tape is kind of littered with rushing touchdowns as well as obviously the ability to put the ball in the air as well. And that kind of time he spent sat um, sat waiting for his opportunity at Baylor, it's just kind of done him so much good, learning learning the offense. Uh, well, you know, obviously new offense, but learning the, the way to handle yourself as the as the kind of star quarterback on campus. Um, so yeah, that I think that, that kind of connection between him and Snead, I'm really excited to see pretty early doors and I'm also really excited for the LSU transfer they've got coming on the defensive side of the ball that's uh, Siaka Ika I believe that's how we're going to say it um, huge dude there in the middle and, and and obviously Aranda worked with him at LSU and there's obviously kind of no real doubt in my mind that he wouldn't have gone to Baylor if it wasn't for that connection so uh, that that kind of paying off for Baylor um, a, a, just a year after hiring Aranda so yeah, he's got that. He's got a couple of stars on the on the roster now. A couple of guys who could be real, real game changers. Um, kind of expecting a seven, eight win season, bowl eligibility, and if he can get going quickly off the bat, then you know might build up some some momentum. What do you reckon, Sat, mate? Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I, I we obviously talked about uh, Charlie Brewer a little bit last week, and obviously we're talking about his replacement now. And yeah, like I say, I think the really important thing, and it's kind of what was important last time Baylor were good under Matt Rule, is assembling that coaching staff and just getting a few a few players in who are going to, like you say, be that magic dust that's going to kind of take them to the next level rather than just being a well-coached team. They've actually got some players who can actually do something as well. And yeah, RJ Sneed, I believe he was in our Big 12 team of the... Um, all that, that uh, Keith <laughs> Keith put together, but um, yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good team, and they're like you say, they're what we just mentioned a minute ago. They're going to be kind of playing to impress, aren't they? Because they're going to be one of these teams that are going to be homeless by the looks of things. So um, yeah, they're going yeah. to want to going to put themselves out there for a good offer from uh, the Pac-12 or whoever else was going to be kind of in the bidding war for these teams who are going to be like I say homeless at the end of the season. And um, I've gone for a bit of a left field choice as well, actually. And that's Texas Tech. And again, it kind of goes back a little bit to last week as well, because we also talked about Oregon. Tyler Shuck will want to prove himself correct as well. And in an air raid since he's probably got a decent chance to put up some numbers, because obviously it's a more simple kind of offense. He's probably used to it playing spread offense here in Oregon as well. And, you know, we know that the Big 12 is not great in terms of defense as well. It's going to be much easier on the, you know, in terms of his opponents in terms of defensively than playing in the, the Big, uh, sorry, the Pac-12. Or, you know, against like the Washington defense that you kind of signed out last week, and, and obviously Utah offense, that, uh, sorry, defense that we talked about last week as well. They've obviously got a little bit of star power as well. And another um, school that's done really well with transfers, it's funny that you kind of brought up similar things to what I've got. They've got a couple of players on the defensive side of the ball, transfer wise, that I really like. 
Uh, they got in Colin Schooler uh, from Arizona. He got to play there last year. That's not a new transfer. Uh, really old school linebacker, wrapped up the tackles at Arizona. Uh, I think he, he, he transferred because he wanted to play because he it was that decision of whether the Pac-12 were actually going to play last year. Um, and then this year they brought in Marquise Waters from Duke, uh, another strong safety, and he's going to be great in the running game as well. Really, really productive. Comes in as a grad transfer, so I think he's played about 40-odd games at Duke. And yeah, should be really, really productive again. Um, and on the offensive side of the ball, kind of helping Tyler Shuff again, another transfer. Obviously, they've got Eric Uzukamna. I'm going to maybe say that a bit slowly. <laughs> uh, another one another one of the top wide receivers uh, that we snuck into the Big 12 all-conference team. He's obviously suffering with a broken arm at the minute. Um, and they're hoping he's going to be back for the season. And then they've got Sir Roderick Thompson in the backfield as well, who seems to me to be like a bit of an ascending running back. And to be honest with you, this conference, running back-wise, is going to be really, really exciting because there's some really good uh, running backs in there. And we'll to come on to that when we talk about players a little bit as well. But yeah, I like Texas Tech outside of the, the big three, we'll say, including Iowa State as well. Yeah, it, and I'm just looking at their kind of depth chart right now in front of me. They've got... Slated to have like four grad transfers starting on offense. Um, and like you say, they've got one, two, three, four uh, transfers slated to start on defense as well. So really kind of taking advantage of this um, this kind of transfer rule, which has come mm-hmm. in. And and I like I think we said this in the transfer portal episode. I'm just so intrigued to see how it works, because if it blows up in teams' faces this year, then, you know, <laughs> is, is this going to kind of ruin the programme for a couple of years as they mm. lose scholarships and stuff like that? Or yeah. flip side of it, go on a bit of a run, get yourself as a ranked team, um, you know, add to your recruiting um you know, your ability to recruit in, in the next couple of years. So, yeah, really intrigued. And, and this is one of those teams where um, we can definitely take stock of that afterwards, a bit like my Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we were talking about that a lot, actually, weren't we, about how it's going to affect things. And yeah, they've gone definitely the, I think I called it like the Chelsea route, didn't I, last time when we were talking yeah, about like, just did. getting loads of uh, transfers and things like that. Um, but yeah, obviously outside of the big three, I think we've picked some some good teams there. There's It's a little bit like the Pac-12, isn't it, where there's, there's definitely teams at the top, there's a bunch in the middle, and then there's two or three just real crap teams that should be just yeah. sticking to playing basketball I think <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> and I was listen, actually listening to a different podcast on the uh, on the kind of impact of all the, um, the, the the fallout of the recent events as well and they were kind of saying like who's really going to want those couple of bottom teams and then somebody else was just going well if, if a conference is more known for its, its basketball, then they can sweep them up and just like almost mm. abandon the football programme for, for the sake of that. So, yeah, you're completely right. Um, and it would make perfect sense for them to go out and sell their basketball programme far greater than it would put any money into their football programme this year. So those bad teams could get worse. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because, yeah, Kansas obviously is one that's like historically, you know, great college basketball team, but not so much on the football. And, you know, it's the only other sport that makes money, isn't it, at the college level? So, yeah, um, yeah it could be an interesting sort of tidbit that I've not actually seen too much coverage on. I think people have seen it very much a football lens, but yeah. not too much focus on the basketball. But anyway, we're not a basketball podcast. Maybe next year we'll start on again. <laughs> I know you were talking about a baseball podcast, weren't you? In our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's switch over to some players then, if it's all right with you. Yep, go for it, man. So, as I mentioned before, there's a whole host of running backs. I'm not going to go too deep on these running backs because I've got about five or six that I'm really looking out for. You've got the real star power. You know, we've got Brees Hall at Iowa State. Eric Gray, who's come over another transfer, obviously come over from Tennessee. He's come over to play at Oklahoma. Again, that's going to be a pretty formidable partnership because he 
just looks like an absolutely fantastic player. I don't even know really why they were ever giving the ball to Ty Chandler in that offense yeah, <laughs> because Eric yeah. Gray just looks miles better. Um, and now obviously just like, I mean, quite a lot of people transferred away from Tennessee recently, haven't they? And, you know, he's going to be in potentially one of the best offenses in the whole of college football. And then over at the other breakaway team, Bijan Robinson at Texas, sophomore running back, again, looks pretty special, doesn't he? Not paying too much attention to him because I'm mainly focusing on draft eligible people, but as a sophomore, sophomore, sorry, he looks very, very good. And then in next one down, not sort of next tier down, I'm going to say, Leddy Brown at West Virginia looks pretty decent. And as I mentioned, Sir Roderick Thompson at Texas Tech too. So lots of running the ball. I know it's known for its offense, and I think it should be pretty complimentary to the passing game. Um, in terms of the the, the the amount of running backs that are on show here in this conference, it should be really, really good. I'll, I'll stop there. For, I've got a couple of players on defence, but I'll let you come in. Yeah, well, Bijan Robinson, mate, I'm, I'm so excited to watch him this year. Kind of like the end of last season, he was absolutely incredible um, and just kind of obviously lit up the, the, the last couple of games that, that Texas played. So they've obviously got a uh, redshirt freshman quarterback in Hudson Card slated to start and Robinson's just going to, He's just going to be a workhorse, isn't he? Really, it's yeah. a shame. He's, shame he's not draft eligible because he's going to have two years of being just an absolute beast out there, mm. isn't it? Um, and like you know, you look at the the guys they've got uh, backing him up, and you don't see any kind of notable names. Really, obviously, there's a lot of talent because it's Texas, but um, Robinson's going to be a three down guy, um, you know, nonstop. Whereas you, you switch over, you mentioned Eric Gray at Oklahoma, but you've also got Kennedy Brooks there, mm. haven't you? So that one two yeah, punch true. is going to be um, he's going to be great. And to be honest. That's probably good for Gray's like draft stock. Um, you know, he's not going to be running run through the the, the proverbial uh, whatever barn door, uh, however you want to say. It. And they've also got like uh, Trey Bradford coming as a, as a transfer as well. So really exciting. Um, you know, I love my wide receivers and and the kind of the, the wide receiver group at Oklahoma is something something special, isn't it? Really. I mean, you've got Theo Wees, Jaden Hazelwood, the star man Marvin Mims, and um, also some of the grab transfers um, on this roster. One of them at wide receiver. Mike Woods came over from Arkansas. You know, I'm a big, um, I mean, a big kind of like Arkansas guy in the SEC. I don't really know why Mike Woods is transferred because he was definitely going to be very, very much draft eligible and, and like going quite high up people's boards. I think this year, instead, he's come to probably be the number four wide receiver in this Oklahoma team, and he's just got to be relying on the fact that Rattler's going to get the ball out often mm. and kind of give him a chance to show his skill set. You know, Mike Woods on his day is like a Deshaun Jackson. It just stretches the field and really kind of takes the top off a, an offence. But if he's not on the field, how's he going to show that? Um, mm. So really interested to see how that group works out. A lot of people very high on Jaden Hazelwood, um, uh, but we obviously haven't seen a lot of him so far, injuries and that have kept him out. Um, and one other wide receiver from from the team that we haven't mentioned at all yet is Iowa State uh, and Xavier Xavier Hutchinson, six foot three, the kind of guy I was talking about last week. Um, big outside guy who's who's very very dominant in contested catch situations. I think that he's going to have a huge season. Uh, love Brock Purdy. Think that he made the right decision to come back. I think he kind of started last season as a sneaky high draft pick, but Almost didn't fall off, but like I don't think he really cemented himself as a first, second round sort of guy. So another chance to do that, and they've kept the band together with Charlie Kolar, mm. and as you mentioned, uh, Brees Hall there. So that Iowa State offense is going to be formidable, and you know everyone's kind of ranking Oklahoma as the best team in the nation. Stuff they've got to beat Iowa State first, haven't they? Really, I think it's going to be not tighter than people think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it, between the three of them? Because you know Oklahoma. I thought, I thought of as the, the top team, but like you say, Iowa State beat them last year in the in the regular season at least. Obviously, they, they got the better of them in the 
conference championship game, but it's going to be pretty even, I think, because like you say, I think it's important that Matt Campbell kept the band together, as you put it, because they've got some really good experienced players there that, that should be able to do something. Texas, like you say, especially the, with a new quarterback as well, after Ellinger's been there for, you know, the whole of his career there, he played the whole time. They're vulnerable, I think. And as much as um, Oklahoma do have the sort of star power, again, you know, Spencer Rattler's only played one year. And as much as everyone's raving about him, we've seen player quarterbacks fall off a cliff after one year. You know, Keen Slovis, as we were talking about last week, last week, comes to mind. And, you know, we're probably talking about a higher quality of quarterback there. You know, Skeen's uh, only a three-star quarterback, for example, whereas Rattler's yeah. been thought of highly all the way through since he's been, you know, in everyone's eyelines on QB1. But, um, you know, it can happen. You know, things happen like that, where they just kind of fall through the floor. Yep, exactly, mate. Go on, flip to the defence, mate. Let's yeah, just, some, just a couple, because I, I know that it's obviously a very offensive-dominated conference. I just want to shout out a couple of um, Big 12 defenders that I really, really liked. I mentioned Nick Benito from Oklahoma last night on the Scouting podcast. Mm. Just a player that I really, really like. Um, I wasn't expecting to like him too much because he is so, so small. You know, we're, we're looking at someone, and everyone was talking about Chris Rumpf out of Duke last year. Tiny, tiny edge rusher. But Nick Benito just seems to have a lot of get off the ball, seems to have really snappy, seems to be able to cover in space really, really well as well. So that's going to up his value. He's not just a tiny rusher, he's also someone who can drop into coverage and, and do that sort of thing as well. And then just harping back to last year, a player that I was really upset didn't come out, actually, Colby Harvell Peel, the uh, Oklahoma State safety. Um, he was one of my favourite safeties in last year's um, safety class, and that was else the safety, I covered safeties for the draft guide that we did and he was going to be the cover, the cover guy and then I had to take him off when he didn't declare so it was really disappointing but yeah really good football player understands game um, really aggressive downhill safety and he can cover tight ends man to man obviously that might be important with a few decent tight ends um, in the uh, in the Big 12 but yeah just looking for him to kick on and just kind of improve on his third round grade that I, uh, that I had him in last year so yeah quite a lot of talent in this uh, conference both on, on both sides of the ball really have you, um, I haven't had a chance to listen to, to the um, defensive line sort of thing yet. Yeah, do you guys mention Tyler Lacey last night at all from Oklahoma State as well? We Def- actually. Defensive end, um, Redshirt Junior this year. I'm a massive fan, um, mm. kind of uh, really long, athletic, uh, you know, loads of pass rush moves, kind of led the team last year in, in um, led the front unit in solo tackles, total tackles, tackles for a loss. He's got a bit of everything in his game. Um, could decide to come out early um, you know with all the uncertainty you've got to imagine some of these guys are thinking I'm going to prove my worth this year and get out the, get out into the NFL so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tyler Lacey I think he could come through and stick in with um, Oklahoma State as well Trey Sterling uh, the safety there um, the other kind of half that partnership um, with the, with um, uh, who's the guy you just mentioned? Oh, that's, that <laughs> that's the one with, with the, it's a mouthful as well, even though it's a fairly simple name. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sterling, I, I like him. And I think you've got a lot of defensive prospects on that Oklahoma State team who are being a bit slept on at the moment. Obviously, everyone's talking mm-hmm. about that big three, but, um, you know, Oklahoma State go through uh, periods of dominance, then they drop off and come back yeah. again. Maybe this could be one of those years. Yeah, definitely. No, I think you're right. I, I think I watched uh, Trey Sterling as well last year because he was draft eligible. But um, yeah, both stood out. I think they're both pretty decent prospects and just per- preferred Harvell Peel. Um, but yeah, I think the other the other kind of guy to mention is Perry on Winfrey, isn't it, on the Oklahoma defensive line? Not a player that I've watched as of yet. Um, but yeah, there, there's some defensive talent definitely for a team, uh, for a conference where it's always thought about on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, mate. Um... Yeah, loads, loads of stuff to talk about. We obviously run through loads of bits and pieces, but I mean, who do you see? Do you see this is Oklahoma's uh, conference to take, or do you reckon uh, Iowa State going to be up there with them? 
I think those are two. I, I'm kind of discounting Texas a little bit. I'm usually down on yeah. Texas anyway, so that's not out of the ordinary for me. But um, I just don't see with, and, and I wasn't obviously a massive Ellinger fan. That's been pretty public the whole the whole <laughs> last year. But obviously, to go from an experienced guy who, to be fair, he could make some plays. You know, he's a quite fun college quarterback. Going there to to a brand new quarterback, a younger quarterback, is going to probably have some drop off. And like you said, I think they lack a little bit of talent that surrounds him because um, they had you know they've had some good players during Ellinger's years there. Um, I really do. I, I kind of do want to go against the grain. I really do want to back up Iowa State, but I just can't. I just think there's too much talent on this Oklahoma team on yeah. both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, I agree on Texas. I, I really, really like Steve Sarkeesian. Glad mm. that he had a chance to kind of, um, you know, build back from his, his USC. I almost said build back better. I'm, I'm just like, don't take the work and <laughs> work into, <laughs> into the uh, evening podcast, Andy. What are you doing? Um, yeah, I think he's like had a chance to kind of rebuild his career from from USC, um, and I think five years time we'll be talking about Texas as like one of the premier uh, programs in college football. But for now, I think it's a little bit too much to ask of a new starting quarterback outside of Robinson. I look at the wide receivers and I think, yeah, there's some decently kind of starred guys, but I've not seen anything to convince me that they're gonna. Knock off Iowa State, let alone Oklahoma here. I, to be honest, as I just mentioned, I think Oklahoma State are going to be closer to them than, than Texas this year. So hmm. that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, cool. I, just, I just hope Matt Campbell uh, isn't put to waste in this conference. If um, if obviously the, the two teams do leave and there's a kind of just mismatch of what's going on in the future for the Big Twelve, I think Matt Campbell. It'd be a shame to see him leave Iowa State because he's done such a good job and he seems to be quite committed to the cause there. But I don't think he'll be left with any choice if like Iowa State are left playing in a conference where they're the biggest team. I think he he can go somewhere else, somewhere like USC next year if um, if that transpires that, that they need a new head coach. So, yeah, um, I've got big hopes for Iowa State. Uh, if you're going to back Oklahoma, I'll back them just, to, just for parity. <laughs> but uh, I just think that the likes of Kolar, uh, Hutchinson, Hall are just all such big names and they're all going to have good Sunday careers as well so hopefully they can they can bring it together and, and do something special this year mm. yeah a couple of a couple of points on, on what you've just said I mean if and when well when we'll say when Texas do go into the SEC if they can keep um, Steve Sarkeesian there I think they've got a chance to be quite good because as much as all this talent is quite young obviously like you say it is talented as well and they've got a really good defensive coordinator that they got from Washington, Pete Kwiatkowski as well, who obviously we, we spoke about Washington defences last, last week. And, you know, they could they could really be a, a force together in college football moving forward. We have a big programme like Texas wants to make a lot of money and do have a lot of recruiting power. And I guess one thing about Matt Campbell just to mention is obviously, like you say, if, if there is, you know, a bit of upheaval where Iowa State don't really want to do what you know they have to do in, in terms of playing a bit of a mismatch conference or not really go to somewhere that they want to go, there was NFL interest as well, wasn't there? Where you know he'll he, he'll take a step up the ladder, and he'll he'll get other interviews and other you know opportunities, I guess, to to coach in the NFL as well. So I think he'll be all right, and I think Iowa State because they signed up to a massive contract, didn't they? About eight years or something like that, wasn't it? So they'll be fairly compensated for for his departure as well, wherever that might be. So they'll be they'll be fine, I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, man, it's one of those ones that. I'll be honest with you, out of the five conferences, it's like normally the one that I follow the least um, because of the kind of, uh, you know, lack of perennial star power in terms mm. of like, you know, regular regular team kind of blowing up the, the, the playoffs and stuff like that. So, but this year it's just fascinating. And like I said earlier, and, and uh, sorry for nicking your point, but just going to be a case everyone's going to want to punch them in the mouth every week and Oklahoma going to have to deal with all the kind of like, sarky remarks from, from teams. <laughs> and, and it'll be interesting to see it like, 
how much that riles them. Obviously, it'll be kind of stuck on the locker room wall as motivation. But at the same time, the other other teams might be even more motivated to go out and deliver a sucker punch just because of the the way they're being screwed over in revenue and everything else. Mm. Let me let me kind of flip my point that I was going to make then and say, do you think it'll also motivate UT and OU because they've got to show that they're going to be worthy to be in the SEC as well, haven't they? Because yeah, at the minute, are. everyone's talking on Twitter, aren't they, about like, yeah, they, they won't do anything anyway. Texas is going to be like a lower-ranked team in the SEC and OU will be fine, but not like amongst the top, top dogs. So it works both ways, doesn't it? It's weird, isn't it? Because I reckon like the, the players will probably feel that way, but then the back like the back office and stuff will probably just be planning for next year where they're just thinking, <laughs> give me the money, you just go and just get on with this. And, and like in Oklahoma's case, go and win this conference and we'll, we'll have a bit of a, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll deal with this later. But uh, yeah, I mean, the head coaches have got huge opportunities as well, greater exposure and stuff in the SEC. So they've got jobs to to, to go and win and, and and the like. And Sarkeesian's got to prove that, you know, he can be the, the head coach for a programme and, and steer it successfully into the future. So, yeah, uh, interesting one, mate. I'm, I, I wish there was a kind of team, you know, we've spoken about Iowa State, but they're not really going to upset because everyone rates them so highly. I wish there was a team that was going to come from nowhere and, and win it like we kind of said with the Pat 12, it could have, you know, in theory, it could be any one of like five or six teams over there. Mm. But here, it just feels like the, the the main two. But I'll be interested to see how long Iowa State can can go toe to toe with Oklahoma for. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Iowa State play Iowa. Don't think like week two or three. I think if they get through that game and, and put on a show, then that could set them up really nicely because they don't play Oklahoma and Texas till late on in the season. I don't think so. It's one to watch for sure. That's it, mate. And I'm just quickly bringing up Oklahoma. Um, uh, Oklahoma's schedule because I'd, I'd love to see who who like the um, I, I can't I can't remember who the big kind of challenges for them are. I mean, just looking at it immediately when you kind of start against your likes of your your Tulane and that sort of thing, it's going to be um, pretty pretty easy going. I mean, the out of conference schedule is is not at all challenging. Western Carolina, Tulane, Nebraska, you know, like the. The only kind of challenge they've got is Iowa State and then Oklahoma State, isn't it? That, so they're going to they're going to cakewalk this division. I know I just said it back Iowa State, but in reality, um, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a stroll in the park for them. Mm. But yeah, it'll be interesting nonetheless because of obviously all the off-field stuff that's that's kind of going down. And if it is decided that it is the last season, I'm sure everyone will put on a show for kind of the reasons that we just said, players and you know coaching staffs alike. So, yeah, no, it's still going to be a big conference this year. Uh, it's going to be, you know, eyeballs on it, probably more so than usual, because I would kind of agree with what you said, really. It's not the, the focus that I would have, apart from maybe the big games like the Red River rivalry and things like that. I wouldn't tend to uh, to watch too much Big te- uh, Big 12 football. But, yeah, I'm sure we all will this year, especially with it being the last one. Just before we get out of it, obviously, I just want to give the shout-out to the NFL guide that's come out on Monday, uh, for 2021 season. Uh, obviously, we've all been working super, super hard on it um, over the past couple of months, hence why... The NFL podcast haven't returned until this week. Um, go over to the website, fulltimehouse.com, go into guide at the top of the screen, drop that down, and you'll be straight in there to the buy page for 99, or you can get a pound off with the code YARDS, or one word, all in capitals. And uh, yeah, you're also putting towards a great calls well, all profits going back towards Britball, which is what we do here at Fulton Yards, find the flag for the British game. But yeah, you won't be disappointed because obviously, you know, a lot of work went into that, didn't it? <laughs> what we all did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Any chance to write about my dolphins is good, and uh, and then to sell it afterwards, why not go and buy it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So next week from us on the college branch, it'll be an offensive um, scouting podcast that uh, obviously we're hosted by Raj, and Andy and I will be back to do another conference 
I chucked it obviously last week. I'll do the same this week. What are we doing next week then? Which conference is folding this time? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's go Big Ten next week. Let's save my, my baby for second to last and then the, the big dog uh, for last itself. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll go north cool. to, to, to Michigan and the sunny streets of Penn State's campus. That's what I'm looking forward to talking about. Awesome. Yeah, so they have it. So Offensive Scouting Podcast with Raj next week. Me and Andy back and we'll be previewing the Big Ten. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.